Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Dr. Joy Bloom Wright, who is a graduate of the United States Naval Academy and one of the first women to assist with the integration of women on aircraft carriers. She served as an active duty naval officer in the F-14 Tomcat. Dr. Joy has a master's in psychology and a doctorate in organizational development. Dr. Joy is also the president and co-founder of Launch Team Consulting and is one of the producers of the conference GritCon that will be taking place in San Diego. Wow, we have so much to talk about today. So let's jump right into this and welcome Dr. Joy. Thank you so much, Summer. It's such an honor to be on your show, Dr. Summer. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me calling you Dr. No, Joy. I love that, but I have to call you doctor as well. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, and, and it's so great because I actually had a friend who went to the same school where she got her doctorate and she actually changed her name to Dr. Joy. I can't, <laughs> I can't even remember her actual last name, but she liked the the title Joy, so she changed it to Dr. Joy. Oh, and that's like, so funny. So Isn't she... that funny? <laughs> Well, before we jump into your professional background, and it is an incredible background, can you describe your journey thus far in one word? Uh, Yes, adventurous is what I would say. (laughs) Ooh, adventurous. Tell us why that word resonates with you or is meaningful to you. Adventurous, because I think we get fearful of change. And I think that through that journey, I did go through a lot of adventure and there were ups and downs we'll talk about, I'm sure later, but for me to look at it as an adventure, like it's the next chapter and a reinvention of, of myself, it, it helps, it helps me think that it doesn't have to be a negative thing when you have to go through a change or a different journey. So adventurous for me means a lot, like flying in the F-14 Tomcat on a clear blue sunny day and having fun in the jet to a big change and having to change my career path completely. So adventure, <laughs> adventurous. You certainly have had an adventurous journey thus far and, and still more to come. So you've had such an incredible past, like I'd mentioned. Let's start off with where you grew up and what prompted your interest in going into the Naval Academy? Um, absolutely. I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and came from a big family. My parents really encouraged us to follow our dreams and what we absolutely love to do. And I really wanted to fly uh, jets. And I, I saw the Blue Angels Air Shows down in Pensacola, Florida, and um, started talking to my parents about it. At that time, the combat exclusion law wasn't lifted. So uh, women weren't allowed to fly in the F-14 or later to come to F-18, but because of the combat exclusion law, but that was my dream. And so I just held on to it from middle school on. It was um, shortly after watching the first Top Gun. And that's where it started back in Birmingham, Alabama. And my, my mom and dad both just said, keep reaching for the stars, keep, you know, following your dream. And so eventually applied to the Naval Academy. <laughs> wow. That is incredible. 
you know, I remember being young and watching those Blue Angels, and they are fantastic. But I never thought, oh, I want to buy a jet. But you did. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. You actually flew in a jet. And you, that was your profession. And that's incredible. So you did pursue the Naval Academy and going to the Naval Academy. It's not like just not just going to college, but we know the process of going and we're more familiar with that process of going and getting into college. But the process of getting into the Naval Academy or any service academy is different and it's difficult. Can you tell us a bit more about that process? Absolutely. Like when I was back in high school, luckily I had a couple of people I could ask, you know, just um, a few family friends where we, if you start reaching out, you find out very quickly, you know, this friend's, my mom's friend's son went or my, you know, their cousin went and you very uh, quickly, if you have any interest in middle school, ninth grade, 10th grade, find out, reach out to those resources. And because it's a two-part process, it's a application to the service academy, and then also a nomination to the service academy. So from a congressman, a senator, and then there's also vice presidential and presidential for service members. Like for for your children, there's some other options too they could look into, you know, for a service academy. And you uh, do those that two-part process, and some of your congressmen and senators in your area might require an interview, and some do a lot of essays, but you go on their websites in your area to find out what they require. And then the Naval Academy process, I would recommend immediately um, reaching out to your blue gold area coordinator, your blue gold officer, to start asking questions for the Naval Academy. And I'm sure the other service academies have something similar. And they will help you guide guide you through those next steps of the application process. Wow, that is incredible, that process. Even going through the process of applying for a university, my mom had never gone to a university. So I had to go to people at my school and say, how do I do this process? How do I begin? So I'm glad that you mentioned that in this interview, how you went through the process, because somebody out there might want to know. So that is incredible. So you got in, you went to the Naval Academy, you graduated from the academy, and then you served as an active duty naval flight officer in the F-14 Tomcat. Tell us about that part of your journey and that experience and what that was like for you. Absolutely. So at the Naval Academy, you service select at at the time you choose what you want to fly. And I was a Naval flight officer because now they'll let you correct your vision, but I did not have 2020 vision at the time, but it could be corrected. So I selected Naval flight officer, which is the backseater for me in the F-14 Tomcat. And so once I graduated, went over to the University of Salamanca in Spain and did some training on a scholarship there and then went down to flight school. And while I was down in uh, flight school, you go through the primary training and then the advanced training. Basically, you've selected your aircraft and they do it by rank and things like that. And you put in your choices. And so I got F-14s and was thrilled because that's what I wanted to fly since middle school and knew it was a possibility I wouldn't get that. So very, very happy and went up from there to Virginia Beach, Virginia, where I started the training at BF-101 for F-14 Tomcats. And one of the parts of all of that was 
They needed help with the integration of the aircraft carriers. One of the things I talked about earlier was the combat exclusion law and women couldn't fly in F-14s or the the fighter attack aircraft. And um, in 1993, they lifted that. I graduated from the Naval Academy in 1993. Wow. So the timing worked out. And so, but they needed to start bringing uh, women on board the aircraft carriers for, you know, for ship's company that they would be deploying with them for you know six seven months yeah, and so yeah. I helped with that integration process where the training and and, and things like that so that was a, a big part of my career in the Navy besides the flying that I absolutely love was the training aspect of it okay tell us more about that and what that blossomed into for you Absolutely. So I'll talk a little bit later about a door closing. And at the time, I didn't obviously know that, couldn't see that coming. But one of the things you always have in the Navy is a collateral duty. So you might fly F-14s, but you have another job. It could be a maintenance officer, assistant maintenance officer, um, catapult. There's different jobs that you could uh, do. And one of the, the jobs they asked me to do when I was not flying was that integration process. And so I checked on board. They slowly brought other females on board. But when I first checked on board, it was, you know, I had my Southern mom from Alabama tell me, Joey, don't get too close to the edge of that carrier. They might throw you overboard. And so (laughs) it was the first understanding that I didn't feel like it was at all a hostile environment because I had trained with all my friends that were guys and all the people I went to the Naval Academy. But then I had my mom worried about my safety on the carrier. But it was such an incredible experience with the training and figuring out how to open up lines of communication and getting people to talk about things that made them uncomfortable. And so it blossomed into later what I'm doing in my career now. So absolutely loved it on the aircraft areas. <laughs> well, I love that. And it, isn't it funny how the perception of one person is different than another, like your mom, her concern for you. And yet this is what's so incredible about being in the military, one of the most incredible things. As a military spouse, I was able to experience this through my husband. But every time we got orders to go to another base, he had a family already there. He had people that he had trained with. He had people that he had worked with. So at any duty station we went to, there was something set up for him. The job was set up and ready. Did you feel like that in the military? I mean, granted, you can make the job yours and you can mold it into something that is kind of your baby. But at the same time, did you feel like when you got on the aircraft carrier, you had people that you could attach to and that you could grow with and that you already knew? Yeah. So what really helped was the Naval Academy and flight school uh, checked on board and saw familiar faces really fast and uh, people that were like brothers to me. And so that that really helped when I didn't have that was going into the Naval Academy. I I left Alabama and I told my parents and I think about it now that, um, you know, I have three boys, 19, 19 and 22 years old. I think about I cannot believe I did that to my mom and dad, but I would not let them fly up with me to the Naval Academy to, for the first induction day because I wanted to make the break in Alabama and say goodbye to them and cry because there were so few females. I didn't want to cry in front of all the guys thinking, oh, I'll be one of the few that's, you know, has tears in my eyes on induction day. And so I want to be do that separation now, fly up and be strong on induction day, only to find out 
a lot of my classmates and guys were bawling. They were saying goodbye to their parents. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny because whether or not you go to the academy or out to college, it's a separation. For many of us, it's that first time we're away from home for a long period of time. It's that, okay, I may not be going back home in the same way. My room might not be the same. You know, things are changing. I mean, that's a big change. And then to go to a Naval Academy or to an academy, that's huge, especially during that time, too, where there are very few women. Exactly. And I think, like you said, it becomes a support system or a family as you move. You and I talked about this before, but I think as I went on in my career, I got to know more and more people and you feel that strong support system. And then, you know, my husband and I got married and he also went to the Naval Academy and our family expanded with the people he knew in his class. And when we finally um, got out of the Navy and my husband was still in the reserves and we had to move to a town that we weren't affiliated with a military base we were almost in shock because we're like, well, how do we find that support system? And so we I moved into a community that had a uh, clubhouse, you know, because oh, we yeah. needed the activities and stuff from what we had in the military. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And that a lot of times having worked with military in a business to help them transition, a lot of times it's that connection. It's that family. It's that camaraderie ship that leaves them with the biggest hole. And It's like, how do they bridge that gap? I like what you did, though, that you continue to work, number one, and curate something that you loved and apply your skills. And we're going to get to that in a new way. But you also found a place where there were activities, there was engagement, there was a place where you could grow your new home and family. So I love that you said that. So let's get into your next steps, your next chapter, where you pursued a master's in psychology and a doctorate in organizational development. What was your calling in those areas of study? Absolutely. When the one door closed, I was diagnosed with lupus, an autoimmune disease. And while I was still active duty, I had to switch gears and I had supportive people around me, uh, my spouse and my parents. And my mom kept saying, what, you know, yes, you can't fly anymore, but what do you love? And it was the training. I went back to the aircraft carrier. And although I was medically retiring from the Navy, I knew I could do that in other areas. And so while I was still in the military, I got my master's in psychology and then got my doctorate because I felt like I want to know as much as I can to help people. And not that you can, you can't help people without that. I just wanted more information. And um, there were times on the aircraft craft carrier where, um, you know, the Wi-Fi would go down and I'm like, oh, I want to look something up or I want to. And yeah. so I pursued that. And it was that love of training and looking into aspects of helping people kind of reinvent themselves and motivate themselves into their next career path, helping with diversity inclusion in the workplace because I had done that on the aircraft carrier and then helping people with some of the high risk behavior prevention in the workplace, things that I either, you know, witnessed or saw that I could help with, with some of the training. So I switched, quickly switched gears and found that love of training personnel and finding out how I could help the most. I love that. And these two degrees, psychology and a doctorate in organizational development pair so well. And I love that you were also part of a milieu where you were experiencing that diversity 
and really integrating and seeing how they would be in the military on an aircraft carrier, how the men were going to be inclusive of women. So that's interesting. And you were part of that journey and part of that development of that inclusivity. So I love what you're doing and how you've applied this skill set into now your launch team consulting business where you're president and co-founder of this business. So tell us more about it. Absolutely. One of the things you said about the, the aircraft carrier and integrating that, one of the things that stuck with me on the carrier was I, when I was doing some of the training, there was a, an officer that said to me and a chief, almost in the same words at different times, that they were so scared to talk to me because they were afraid they would say something wrong or that would offend me. And so it made me realize that in this diversity inclusion talks and training that we're doing on the carrier and beyond, that we really need to open that door for effective communication and letting people ask questions and understanding intent. Like you don't want people to open that door and then be offensive, you know, but opening that door with good intention so you could open that dialogue. Um, And and so uh, for me, that was very important in my business. And so for Launch Team Consulting in 2013, after years of doing consulting with companies and helping my sister launch products and uh, doing some other stuff, I decided to start a business and I co-founded it with Ray Leonard Jr., who was doing GritCon with us and one of the producers with you and I, although he was in the celebrity athlete sports management side, and I was more of the military side, we combined our resources and what we realized there were a lot of similarities. And Mm -hmm. one of the things was our use of personal stories in our training, but wanting to have good tools that people could take back to their organization to utilize Mm -hmm. and keep going. So it wouldn't be just a one day thing. It would be something they could make that organization more effective if we could help with that. And we don't have all the answers, but we will certainly look them up and find them and keep researching to help those people and those organizations. (laughs) Well, I absolutely appreciate everything you're talking about here because a lot of times companies, organizations, individuals, they don't know those first steps. And those first steps to making change are so critical. And when you and Ray go into these companies, you're opening that door, that conversation, creating safe spaces to understand what those first steps look like. And my process might look a little different than maybe your process or a company's process, but at least if they have first steps, then they can kind of curate with those first steps what their process looks like, which I think is so important. Absolutely. I love what you're doing. Now, you're also, as you mentioned earlier, the producer of GritCon, the conference, and I get to produce with you. So tell us a bit more about this conference. One of the things you just said about different styles and stuff like that, I think we see that in GritCon, which is this incredible conference being produced by uh, five of us, uh, Dr. Summer, Ray Leonard Jr., myself, uh, Jen Fontanella, which is a, she's a money coach, amazing person that co-hosts with Summer. And then Rachel, who's an event extraordinaire, just incredible lineup of producers, but also incredible speakers. And one of the things that I absolutely love about that is you will get to see different styles of whether it's leadership or um, management or life coaching. What's so effective that, you know, I saw in the military and beyond is you're going to have different 
bosses, different leadership styles, different people you work with. So to have a conference where you're surrounding yourself with people that can give you ideas to take you to that next step, I think is incredible. And just having the chance to work with Dr. Summer here is an honor to me. And so to know that I get to spend that day and I learn, even though we're all in similar professions, every time we do a meeting each week, I'm learning something new. So I know the people that get to come to GritCon are going to advance to that uh, next level and leave motivated, not just for a day, but for a long time, because I feel that myself and I'm part of the production team. (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same exact way. And it's so nice because there is going to be a panel where you're going to hear from all the producers, but they're also going to be incredible speakers. and their stories, our stories, your stories change lives. So we get to hear your stories while we're mingling and engaging during the breaks, maybe lunch, even at the after conference mixer. So this is going to be an incredible engaging experience. And as our speakers, we're going to have uh, George Foreman III, Leslie Rasmussen, Prince Daniels Jr. We're going to have a mentalist there, Adrian Saint, It is just going to be amazing. And I'm so thrilled, Dr. Joy, that I get to work with you as well. So it's going to be an amazing day. But we went through so much here during this interview. I have one last question for you. And that is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? So I think that we've talked about it a little bit today, but keep reinventing yourself. I think it's so important to not feel that that should be a scary thing, that It is amazing to keep going through the reinvention of what you can do next and what you can accomplish. And then surround yourself with amazing people. And like for me right now, it's this production team for GritCon, like to get re-motivated every meeting that we do. And although it's work, you know, that we're doing, I just feel like we're reinventing ourselves. And even with the speakers, I followed Prince Daniels Jr. and Leslie Rasmussen and all our new speakers, these people, George Foreman III. And last night I was going through Instagram and because I was following Prince Daniels Jr., I read a little like snippet of his advice on Instagram just last night. I'm like, oh my gosh, this conference is going to be amazing. So that's the other thing is surround yourself with amazing people to keep taking you to that next step and you helping them as well. Like it's a two-way street, not a one-way street. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And the con part of that is connection. And this is what we all built is this incredible connection. And it's gone from not just networking, but building relationships. So I love everything you've said here. Thank you, Dr. Joy, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you so much, Dr. Summer. It was an honor to be on your show. So thank you very much. Thank you. You can follow Dr. Joy Bloom Wright on LinkedIn, on Instagram at joy.wright93 and her website at launchteamconsulting.com. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a Core Women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.